But the word commitment, if you're not committed, you're going to find some issues that are going to come up. They're going to tell you that you need to, you want to, you should quit. Well, quitting is just going to delay it longer, you know, for you to get where it is you want to be. If you quit, then you just have to start over again somewhere. Why start over? If you've been sober for six weeks. Well, that's six weeks that you've got under your belt now. Don't quit now. Do another six weeks and now you can say 12. You know, that's a big mm -hmm. difference. Hey, in a few more weeks, you can say, hey, it's been a year. I read the testimony of a young lady uh, a few days ago and she's been sober for 36 years and she was so proud and so excited and there was a lot of people were cheering her on. You got to have a cheerleader. You got to have somebody that will stand with you. Uh, a good coach is like that. A good coach is a good cheerleader. They, they're not there to beat you down. They're there to help pick you up and show you that, hey, you can take that next step. What's up, everyone? Scott Brandt, host of the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. It's unique when you take time to have a conversation and the other individual that's part of the conversation talks about an idea, presents something in a different light, and what that does for you with that potential shift in how you're looking at a situation. On this episode, I had a special guest on with me, Dennis Moffitt, the uncoach, which is a very unique thing. So that's one thing that you'll kind of figure out listening to the episode. So it's unique how he brings that in. And it's that change in perspective, really, to kind of see something in a different light and so once this episode is over and you walk away with what you listen to there are different things that will come up and really allow you to view an item in a different light and one funny thing is he does talk about the idea of change and so that's one of those things that i've talked about before that change is the only consistent in life so for the Regular listeners of the podcast, thank you guys for your support. Thank you guys for your time. If you're new and this is your first time checking out the podcast, I want to thank you for giving your time to check it out and see what it's all about. This is helping to create a tribe, helping you look at a, a situation in a different light, relationship pieces. My big thing is the relationship with yourself is the biggest relationship you have to work on. So enjoy the episode and I'll catch you guys later. Everyone, Scott Brandt with the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, and I do have a special guest on tonight with me, Dennis Moffitt. Before we have Dennis come on and talk, I do want to give a shout out to the sponsors that allow us to do what I'm doing now, that being Tabal's Food for Thought and Jasper Axelrad. Thank you for your heart, your passion, and everything that you do for individuals with showcasing small businesses and your drive to really highlight those in our community and bring them to the forefront. Rock City Cafe, Ricky and Angel, uh, husband and wife, and then Brittany, the waitress, they offer a great spot. If you've never eaten at their location, highly, highly suggest go check them out, go check out their food and what they do with the community spot. It's huge because they really do truly care about their customers. And then they're driven on creating that community spot where you, it, you don't really find it anywhere else. And then the chicken coop with Miss Sherry. Want to give a shout out to the chicken coop for uh, allowing us to come and showcase them, highlight their story. But that's another bar out of Black Forest. 
that they are driven really on the community piece and bringing together individuals. And it's a very unique spot. They have that family feel. So all three sponsors that we have for the show, wonderful individuals, grateful that they allow us to do what we uh, need to do to share a message, get them out there and share who they are. So, but like I said, I've got Dennis Moffitt on. It's very interesting because he'll talk about his coaching endeavor and the name of the coaching endeavor. Uh, when you hear it, you'll be like, what are you talking about? And so that's actually because of that. I did title this, uh, this episode, the Un yourself with Dennis Moffitt. So it kind of gives an idea there, but Dennis with, uh, your history and kind of where you're at now with your coaching. Uh, let us know about who you are and kind of what brought you to where you're at now. Well, I've been involved with uh, helping people involved in ministry and mentoring and life coaching for actually over 40 years now. So probably a lot longer than you've been on the earth. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I, I knew a long time ago that I really enjoyed uh, helping people and even beyond that, helping people achieve things that they never thought they could achieve in facing many different issues myself throughout life. I tell people that one of the reasons why I believe I'm such a great coach is because I've made all the mistakes and I know what not to do. Uh, and that led me to thinking about, you know, how to brand it, what to say, what to do. And so I came up with the uncoach. And the reason for the uncoach is because I don't do things in a conventional way. I'm very unconventional. And I have a lot of different unwords, positive unwords on my business card to show that I, I do things unusual, unequivocal, uh, unmatched, totally unbiased, very unconventional because I deal with issues of the heart. And a lot of people deal with issues of the mind, a mindset. And there are similarities between a heart set and mindset, but I like helping people with what they really believe in their heart. You might say soul. That's be another word that would be the same as saying heart. So I help people, whether it's uh, their marriage, whether they're addicted to something or they're just having a lot of struggles in life. I know what those struggles are like. My shoes are filled with uh, the squishiness of having walked those paths many times myself. Uh, you know, you walk down certain paths, your shoes get really dirty. Uh, you get kind of dirty and messed up. And I've been down that path. I know what the pain is like. I've failed more times than I can count. I've made so many mistakes uh, and I keep learning from them. So sometimes I think that I should make more mistakes so I can keep learning. And of course, that's just a joke. But anyway, so my, my approach actually is quite unconventional to what most uh, life coaching is all about. And I absolutely get a thrill out of sitting with person or a couple or even small groups and talking over issues with them and giving them actual hope, giving them <laughs> real solutions, which is to me is beyond an actual answer of finding out, you know, what they can do, how they can do it. And it's actually a lot easier and more simple than they might imagine or that they've ever experienced. It's been a long journey for me. Uh, I don't know that I would wish it upon anybody, but I do thank God for everything that I have learned in the midst of it. And I look forward to, uh, and I'll, I'll quote scripture a lot of times, uh, Romans uh, eight twenty eight, I believe it is, where no matter how bad it might seem, God will always take that bad and turn it around and make something good out of it. And I always liken to a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. There's a, 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 a metamorphosis that goes on there, and the same thing can happen with us. 
and mm. create a really great life for for all of us. And I wish the great life for everybody, and and I try to help them do that. And I, I think it's unique because I know when you start coming up with kind of a way or an idea to separate you from other life coaches. Um, and I think that's an important thing to really distinguish what you're all about. And that uncoach, on whatever it is, the unconventional way, um, exactly. it's a unique thing because a lot of times I think it's the fact of that story, that mechanism, the the thoughts that we've had. And I know you're real big with that uh, relationship piece. And I think you're, you've got the focus on trying to help individuals if they're in a relationship before they take that leap of it, we're done, divorce is what, the route we're going to go, trying right. to help them mend that piece, that heart piece, whatever it is for them for your experience, because I don't know how many times you've been divorced, but I think you've been divorced at least once, if I remember right. And when you look at twice, okay. And when you look at that experience and kind of what you went through and having to really re-script yourself or get through those aspects of what society tells us, what was your biggest thing that, that, uh, helped you get to this point where you're like, we've got to un whatever it is with that relationship piece based on what you've experienced in your journey that you've done. Well, some of the things that helped me is I had to begin to learn what an actual, a real good solid marriage looked like because I had seen so very few. Unfortunately, in our society, the divorce rate is phenomenally uh, high. And if you've been married before you got divorced and now you're going to get married again, the divorce rate just goes much, much higher. And with each move, it just gets higher and higher until you're almost guaranteeing a divorce if you do it fourth, fifth, or sixth time. Mm-hmm. And I like to help people get off of that. I call it the marriage go round. And when <laughs> I found out that, you know, I'm not really seeing a lot of great marriages. I found a few. And then I would talk to those couples and find out, well, how did you do it? How did you make it? You've been married 20 years, 25, 30 years. What did you do? And they all had uh, different stories about some methods that they used and took. But the one thing that was consistent with all of them, the successful marriages, is from the day one, they were committed to one another. They were committed to the marriage. And I, I remember one couple specifically that to them, the marriage was everything. And regardless of how they felt or regardless of the circumstances at the time, the marriage to them reigned supreme and they would work it through, fight it through, do whatever they had to do to make it work. And sometimes it was really, really hard, but they were committed. Mm -hmm. And I think that word commitment is lost on a lot of people in our societies and people get married and they don't have that commitment. They have prenups or whatever they have. They have, they always have a way out. And if you're committed it's like, there's not a plan B, you know, this Mm. has to work. This needs to work. And whatever I have to do to myself. And that was also a big issue is that I I finally figured out through making mistakes and thinking that, you know, well, she was the problem. She did everything wrong. If she had only acted right, then everything would have been okay. I found out it was actually, it was me. It wasn't Mm. her because in every relationship that I was in, you know, a few marriages and a few live-ins and a few others, I was the common denominator in every relationship. 
And those same problems were threading through every relationship. And it took a lot for it to get through my thick head that it was actually me. And so I had to start working on me and I had to find out what the problem was, where I was believing wrong because I discovered early in life that it was my beliefs. And I had to unlearn a lot of things that I learned as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult through this marriage, that relationship, another marriage, another relationship. Everywhere I turned, I was making more mistakes. And it's like, something's got to give. What is it that's going on? And the more I dug into my own heart and to my own self and my, my life and started finding out what I actually believed in my heart, that's when the change started happening. But not until then. And even in the midst of that, because uh, admittedly, and, and I would tell people this, I, my wife knows this, uh, that I'm not the easiest person in the world to live with. Uh, there's all kinds of circumstances in each person's life. And in coaching them, you know, we dig into those things and find out some of what they really are. And I give them hope about that there's actually something you can do about it. You don't have to just like well, this is just the way it is, case or ah, or ah, you know, whatever will be, that's too bad, so sorry, you know, there's nothing you can do. There is something you can do. There are changes that you can make, but I would encourage everybody that the first change that you have to make is always in you. And because if you try to change somebody else, it's not going to work. You have to change you. And you can't do it. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. You cannot do it alone. And for way too many years of my life, I was doing it alone because of my own situations and my own shame-based attitudes and beliefs, mm -hmm. I had a hard time talking to anybody, confessing anything to anybody, because anybody want anybody to know how bad I was, how dirty I was. And the shame kept me away from a lot of positive relationships that could have made a difference much earlier in my life. And that, oh man, when you think about that, that shame piece, the, the stories that you're telling yourself, and I, I find it a unique, society will say this is what love looks like this is what a marriage looks like and like these individuals that they're highlighting and whatnot like are they actually do they know what true love is do they know what love actually is and so we're looking at a blueprint from somebody else that they've been screwed up and they haven't gone in there to unlearn whatever it is or unscript themselves from the previous information that's been pushed in there to go and configure out truly who they are, truly what's going to fit them. And um, I think it's unique because we've had conversations and one of the things that really is a powerful thing and can be a hindrance too is the, uh, the church and with how things are pushed in the church uh, that can really cause people that heartbreak that. And I think you've talked about it where you were talking to a woman and she, she didn't feel comfortable in the relationship, but she didn't want to get out of it because of the, the blame, the shame that she was getting pushed upon her by the church, which is a very sad right. thing. And that, and that's hard because a church should be a safe space for people. But because of that, Most that's where people. a lot of, yeah, that's where people are really stepping back and they're like, this is crazy. This is not what I thought it was. Um, and what's your experience? Because I know you've had that that pastoral background. You've been in the church for a while and then you kind of stepped out and whatnot. So when you see that, like what, what comes up and what really speaks to you when you're like, man, this is crazy that this is what we're coming to face with, with individuals that we talk to. 
Well, unfortunately, the church that I grew up in, uh, the denomination, uh, I found some good things in it. I found a lot of good relationships, but at the same time, I was fed, the way I received it, it was a lot of condemnation. Uh, you're in sin, God doesn't like you, you're bad, these things are going wrong in your life, and you need to always be repenting, you need to always be, you know, uh, rededicating your life, you need to keep, and the focus was always on the sin. And unfortunately, uh, too many people in the church focus on the sin like that, and, you know, is it a reality? Yes, it is, you know, do we need to repent? Yes, we do. But if that's what your thought is, and that's your main thing coming up out of your heart every day, then there's a problem because the flip side to that is the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And I think we should be focusing more on that rather than, well, I'm just sin and I'm just a, a POS and you know I'm no good and God doesn't love me. That's not true. God has love for us that we can't even begin to fathom and imagine. And unfortunately, too many people in the church don't promote or, or teach that love. They're teaching sin and condemnation. I've actually had women that I've talked to tell me that they were not, they should not get a divorce because if they mm. did, they would go to hell. Or if they did, you know, the, they would be banished from the church. There was just all kinds of stigmas attached to it. That they're always talking about, well, the Bible says God hates divorce. And I'll tell you and your listeners right now, no, it doesn't. The Bible does not say that. And I'll take we'll take another time to explain what that all is, is about. But the Bible does not say God hates divorce. And I know some of you are going to go grab your translation and say, look right here. You see, it says that. Get out your uh, your concordance and look it up. The Bible does not say God hates divorce. God certainly does not hate people. And if you've been divorced one, two, three, four, five, six times, if you pulled a Mickey Rooney, for those of uh, you in your audience who know who that is, he was married 10 times. Uh, who is it who just passed away? Uh, Larry King, seven times. Elizabeth Taylor, nine times. That's sad. You know, people shouldn't be doing that because it's not supposed to be that way. Too many people yeah. find condemnation in way too many places. I don't give people condemnation. I don't care how many times you've been married or divorced or whatever. There's a way to stop it. And like I said earlier, getting off that marriage go round however you want to look at it, dealing with your in-laws, your ex-laws, your outlaws, whoever's in your life, whatever kind of baggage or luggage you've got, if you think you could start a new Samsonite store because you've got so much baggage in your life, that can be dealt with. Those bags can be unpacked. We can get rid of those issues. And that condemnation is not yours. You're not supposed to walk around with condemnation. And in my personal opinion, you know, fear is the number one negative evil source. Okay, in my opinion, shame is number two. Shame is absolutely debilitating and it will ruin your life. It'll ruin the lives of everybody around you because how you perceive yourself, you project onto other people. You hear they might talk about, oh, I just feel negative vibes from that person or I feel some positive vibes from that person. Those vibes are actually real and they're tangible. And with our <laughs> modern science, we can actually measure them. But those vibes are caused by what you believe in your heart about yourself. Mm. You can change that. Oh man, and that's uh, that's one of those things that you talk to individuals. Um, it's unique because the fact of you'll come across people and they'll start pulling things out and quoting it, but they don't look at the whole context of the scripture or wherever they're pulling it from. 
and then they're like they focus on this and then you go looking like there's more to whatever you're quoting whatever you're always. bringing up they're always um but i and I think it's uh, it's kind of a sad thing also that you can really run into where the the fact that you potentially have it where it can be used as a crutch, not being able to think for yourself. And it's uh, it's kind of one of those things that when I look at it, I'm like, you've got to like step back. Like you've got to think for yourself and do a deep dive. But you get people that are so stuck on, no, this is how it is. And they don't go and do the research because they have to think for themselves right. and um that's and then you had talked about the fact of the divorce rate i went and looked in the first divorces or the first divorce the first marriage is 50 percent when it comes to the divorce rate once it goes to that second marriage it ends up becoming 67 percent, and then the third marriage is 74 percent. so with mickey rooney larry king those individuals that have those massive mountain numbers by the time, I don't know how you get to 100%, but just with looking at those first three marriages, that percentage going up and up and up. And one of the things that I, I bring up to people is I'm like, if you want to stop that, you've got to work on yourself. You've got to unpack it, like you said, unpack that, that shame, unpack that garbage, and make sure you're not taking that into the next relationship. And with your experience and what you're doing when it comes to the coaching and working with uh, individuals, how much of that do you see when it comes to somebody that's in their second or third marriage? How much of the baggage has really gone so large? And it's like you're bringing things from one relationship, you're bleeding that into the next relationship. That just adds to it and then it grows. And then if you're getting into your third marriage, that's like a mound that you've created because it's just a collection uh, bin for whatever. And so when you look at your experience in working with individuals, how much of that really plays into uh, affecting or impacting the relationship? It plays a lot into it because, okay, you leave marriage number one and you've got baggage from that. There's pains, there's hurts, there's agony, there's doubts, there's fears, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I have a whole list of things, you know, of, of the baggage that they're carrying in. So you go into the next relationship because you didn't take the time to work on yourself and deal with that. Are you ever going to get perfect at it? Uh, absolutely not. But you can certainly be a lot better than you were. And you can realize, hey, I made this mistake. How do I not make that again? And so if you don't work on yourself, you take all that baggage into the next relationship. Instead of like in the beginning when you got married the first time, you didn't have a lot of baggage because you were just young and ignorant and you didn't know what was going on. You were operating on mainly hormones. You know, a lot of people are. And so you didn't take a lot of baggage into it. Then you get into that next marriage. And now you're gathering more baggage without even realizing it because what you're doing is you're actually dumping all of your baggage onto the new person. And they're mm. doing the same thing. If they've been married two or three times, they're dumping their baggage on you. And now it's compiling together. That's why the divorce rate goes up in that next relationship. Now you leave that one because you're unhappy because, oh, look at them. They've got all these problems. What are we going to do about it? I, I thought I had it right this time. And so you go into the next relationship. And now the amount of baggage you're carrying into that third relationship is even more. And so it just it's like compound interest. It just keeps building and adding mm -hmm. up and we still are not working on ourselves. And so then we leave that relationship and we bounce off into another one. And now, like I said, you're starting a Samsonite store because you got so much baggage instead of doing something about it. One of the things I find that's an issue here 
is that when people leave one relationship and they might try to work on themselves a little bit for a few weeks or something, but then they get, oh, their hormones start building a little bit. They get lonely. They don't want to be alone. They're tired of it. So they immediately start looking for a new relationship and they really don't work on themselves. Mm -hmm. How long does it take to work on yourself? Well, to be honest with you, it's a lifelong pursuit. You're yeah. going to work on yourself till the day you die. But you can make progress and you can be a much better person that you were designed and created to be. But you have to focus on you. I show people how to do that. It's really not hard. But when you're not taught that, you're not taught, one, that it's available, two, that you can do it, and three, that you can be successful at it. How many places have you ever been where somebody said, you can change, you can be who you're designed to be? It is possible. Oh, my God. You know, people don't understand that. They, they've never been told that, whether in church or not in church. Uh, you hear that in the business world, hey, you know, you can be that. If you want to be a Marine, be all you can be, or in the Army, or whichever one it is. I wasn't military, so I'm not 100% sure on that. But you can be all that you were designed to be. You can fulfill your destiny and your purpose and be satisfied in your heart and mind about it. That is what's going to be key to getting the next relationship to be the right one, to be the good one, especially when both of you are like that. Mm -hmm. I can tell you right now that if you work on you and you get you taken care of, the people that you find that you start looking for are going to be different than anybody you've ever looked for previous. Because in the past, you're looking at people based upon your paradigms and your parameters that were set up in your heart by what you were taught and how you lived. But if you mm -hmm. change them and they get healthy, now you have healthy parameters, healthy paradigms. Your perception is clear and you can see clearly. You're going to look for different people and you're going to find healthier people. And your chances of having a great marriage are, are it, the, the percentages flip and they go the other way. So your chance of finding a great spouse, a great husband or wife increases phenomenally. And your chance of success just goes off the charts. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because that's one of the things that I've talked about. And it's through the, the piece of doing the personal development and going and listening to other people that are in the uh, relationship realm. And it's unique because there's a doctor, Dr. Shafilia. I learned about her through machine Lakiani that runs my Valley. And she was talking about the fact that as we grow up as kids, one of the things that really hurts us is kids don't get validated. They don't get seen. And so that process, that part of them stunted. And so they grow up, and then they don't know how to truly love themselves. They haven't seen it. Right. And then you're looking at somebody else and this person's in the same boat. And so you're both looking at each other. And you're like, love me, but I don't love myself. So I, I, I expect you to love me, but I know you don't love yourself. It's the same thing. I, I'm, you want me to love you, but I don't love myself. So it's a very huge key. There's a <laughs> massive key that people don't understand. It's in the Bible. It talks about it. The Bible says to love others as you love yourself. And most people have misunderstood that. If I'm going to love others, somebody else, man, woman, whoever, friend, you know, relatives, as myself, if I don't like myself, what am I going to do to that other person? I'm going to have mm. a hard time liking them because I don't like me. I'm going to project onto them, and projection is a huge issue in relationships. I'm going to project onto them the dislike I have for myself. So they're going to take that as I don't like them either. 
And that's really going to be kind of true because if I don't like me, I can't like you. If I don't love me, I can't yeah. love you. And we're going into a relationship not liking ourselves. So we automatically go into the relationship not like any other person. And everything's based on hormones or something. We're walking in lust instead of love. And it's only going to get you so far. The Eros kind of love will take you through the honeymoon, maybe. And then things start falling apart because the mask comes off. We, you know, we can't pretend anymore. And you start finding out who that other person is. And you go, ew, I don't like mm. you. Why not? Well, because I really don't like myself. And I can't stand myself. So I can't stand you. And then we decide we're going to break up, go somewhere else and see if we can find somebody that we can be happy with because it'll be better next time. I just know it will. Mm. Man, that that's powerful right there because the fact that, and I think that's one of the things that we really, if you are in this journey and you're now single or you've just gotten out of a relationship because it's one of the books that I've been reading and I highly suggest it's uh, Single on Purpose by John Kim. And he was talking about right now, if you're in that boat of being single, you've gone through a divorce and expired relationship, the most fertile ground to really grow as an individual is during that part of it sucks because I'm by myself. I love to be around people, but that's the most fertile ground to really focus on yourself to grow and to find out who you truly are. Um, because I think that's sure. the one thing that we need to come into is but we got to practice. And this is the thing, like you'll have a lot of people that will show up as their true self in certain parts of life. And then at other, other parts, they're showing up as their pseudo self with a fake mask on. And then you just, it's a, it's a hard thing to juggle because you're like, Oh man, I forgot where I'm at. So oh here, I think it's this right. ball. Here we go. And it's the wrong one. And then you start doing some crazy stuff. And so I think that's the one and that it's unique too, because even while you're in a relationship, this book is powerful because it's one of those things that you've got, you're still on your own journey, even by being in a relationship, walking on that, that path, whatever it is for you as a couple or whatnot, you still have yourself to really grow and do what you need to. Oh, um, yeah. Because a lot of people will end up, having their identity in that relationship. And then that's one of the things that I had the issue was I thought my relationship was me and that was it. That was my whole identity. And then going through and it didn't work out. I was, I was very sad and upset with through all the emotions for about 14 months because I didn't know who I was. And I think that's something that you get into. It's like the saying of a happy wife, happy life. I'm like, that is the stupidest thing ever because you're putting this pressure on both people. The, right. the husband has that pressure that I've got to make my wife happy. And then the wife has got the pressure of he's got to make me happy. I'm not going to make myself happy because he's the one that's responsible. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's some stuff that you're like, are, are, like, where did this come from? Like who, who's trying to control it and whatnot? It's a uh, man. Somebody's it's unique when you really look at it, you know, fancy phrase somewhere. Uh, and what you're talking about, you know, being happy with yourself is is a huge key. And unfortunately, few people are happy with themselves. And this is going to bring me down to probably the, the root issue in, in all relationships, whether it be a friend or a spouse or business or whatever, is you have to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, how are you going to tell them who you are? How are you going to show who you are? To another person you can't so you're going to show them something that's not true because you have to make something up 
because you don't know who you are. And that's where the mask comes in. We have to put on a, a good face. We have to put our best foot forward because I don't know what else to do. So I got to show them something. So we create essentially what is a lie. Mm. And that's the problem with lies is you can never remember them. This is why the truth is always best because you don't have to remember the truth because it's going to be the same no matter what. It's like a mm. principle. Principles always work because they never change. A lie constantly is changing. You have to keep altering it because you're going to forget. You will always forget. And so the big issue is with every person in a relationship or not, and it doesn't really matter, you have to know who you are. And you can't find your identity in that other person because they have their identity and their identity is not yours. You're not them. You can't be them. You know, we, we, we look at people, comics or whoever, and they mimic other people. And we think that's all funny and we applaud. But in, in reality, in life, we cannot do that. You can't truly imitate another person you can only be you mm. most people don't even know who that is so how do they do it so they're walking around with masks all the time living a lie to themselves so they're consequently living a lie to everybody else especially their mate and then you have a relationship that's not founded on any truth because how can it be because you don't even know who you are so the foundation to everything and if i'm repeating then it needs to be repeated because if you don't know who you are, you're not going to be successful at anything. And understanding who you are is where you're going to find peace and you're going to find true joy and you're going to find happiness and you're going to find true success when you know who you are. And in, in the coaching that I do, that's probably the main core thing that I teach people how to find out who they are I lead them down a path where they can discover that. And that's the biggest eye opening thing that they can ever get is when they discover who they are. And a lot of people, I, I have to say this, a lot of people are actually afraid to take that journey because they're afraid that if they find out who they are, they're not gonna like them. They're not gonna mm -hmm. like themselves. And that's why they hide and they, they lie and they do all these other things. And they put on the mask because they feel like they're a piece of junk. They feel like they're crap and they don't know what to do about it. And so they have to put on a mask and present something better to everybody else. But that's not true. They're not a piece of junk. They've made mistakes. They've run across some bad things in their life. But those things that have happened to you or maybe even things that you've done, you know, whatever it is, that does not define you. Your definition of who you are comes from another source, and it only comes from God. And that's the relationship that will cause you to be successful more than anything else, especially in marriage, is when you get that relationship down, you get that. And it's not like you have to do anything special. God's already done the work. He's already made it work for you and it's in him. And when you can see yourself and find yourself in him, that's where your freedom truly comes from. And that's what I help people see. And I think, and um, that's one of those things too, that I, I tell people really ultimately when it comes to knowing who you truly are, truly loving yourself. And that's uh, one thing that in the book, John was talking about, you can kind of hide behind loving yourself, but it gets down to another basic foundation of do you truly like yourself? Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of those tough things that it, it can be tough because of what society shows us, what people have told us. Like, do you like yourself for who you are? Um, and that can be a tough thing to come across. Um, but when you look at it, because I, I, I expressed that your relationship with yourself is the biggest relationship that has to be worked on. 
because that bleeds into everything else when it comes to your interactions within life. And for yourself, Dennis, when you look at it, what's your view on that when it comes to that complete relationship with yourself as an individual? How does that impact everything else that's around that individual? It absolutely impacts every relationship you have. If you don't like yourself and you can't spend time with yourself, there's a big difference in being isolated and being alone. People should have alone time. They should spend time meditating, journaling, whatever you do, how you do it, where you center down inside of yourself, on yourself, and you can listen to your own thoughts. I found out over the years, this is why a lot of people have their TV on all the time or their radio or something. They have outside noise because they don't like the voice on the inside. But the voice that's on the inside that they've learned to listen to is not really them. It's a false voice from the junk that's happened to them and the experiences, the negative things in their life. And so there's this tape recorder of negativity. If you know what positive affirmations are, they're not hearing the positive ones. They're hearing all the negative affirmations that they're no good. They're not any good. They'll, they'll never be any good. They'll never achieve. They'll, they can't. They won't. They shouldn't. They oughtn't. You know, however you want to say it. This is the the tape recorder going off on the inside of them. A huge problem that everybody has, uh, you know, the Bible tells us not to judge. Well, we we forget that that means we shouldn't be judging ourselves. (laughs) We we do it all the time. Negative self-judgment is the biggest problem everybody has because you're judging yourself based upon false information. Okay, let's say you got abused when you were seven years old and you grow up thinking that, you know, you're just a piece of trash because of this. Well, if you were seven or whatever age, it wasn't your fault. Somebody did this to you. And it's something that we have to work and change the belief in your heart so you can see yourself as who you really are. You know, I was abused when I was seven years old, but that doesn't define who I am. It did for some years in my, my younger life. But I finally realized, wait, that's not me. That's what somebody else did. That's a sin they have to deal with between them and God. And I was able to come to a place where I could not only forgive them, but I could release myself from that issue. And it wasn't a part of me anymore. And I could look at myself with a much clearer view. We all look through ourself, uh, at ourselves through very dark colored glasses. And the Bible talks about that. We see ourselves, you know, through this dark, dark glass kind of a thing. And so we're not seeing the truth. And so we judge ourselves very negatively and we're very harsh on ourselves. If you had a friend come and talk to you the way you talk to yourself most of the time, you'd slap them or hit them or shoot them or something because, hey, you can't talk to me like that. And yet we're the ones who's talking to ourselves like that all the time. So how we see ourselves, how we view ourselves, how we treat ourselves is massively important and changing that language, changing that tape recorder on the inside is one of the things that we can do that that old negative tape recorder that's been playing for so many years, whether you're 35 or 60, it doesn't matter. We can change the tape. You can change it. But I'll go back to a word that I used earlier. Uh, You have to be committed to it. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yep. And I think uh, on one of our conversations, we had talked, he's like, if uh, you had brought up the fact that if you're talking to somebody and you ask him, you're like on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you? And somebody's like, I'm nine and a half. 
you had brought up the fact that you're like, well, you still have that half that isn't out for you. Um, and so I think that's one thing that people run into the issue also is the aspect of let me try this. And then it's like, well, you're already having this predetermined aspect that it's not going to work out because you're saying I'm going to try. And I think that's a big thing that we've got to flip and say, instead of trying, I'm going to commit to this and it's going to suck. And that's the thing I think also when it comes into our life and whatnot, we're working, if you're coming up against these challenges, you know what? That's a good thing um, because those challenges are there to help you progress and help you to grow. And, but you get so many people that ends up facing the challenge and they want to run away from it. And you're like, don't run away from it, embrace it. Um, but we've been so prone on, Oh, it's a challenge. So let me try to find a way to not face it. Let me do something that's going to allow me to have an easier path. And it's like, you got to embrace those challenges. And so when you look at that, like everything you've gone through your life and whatnot, how, how much is challenges have you looked back and have you gone to see what lessons really came out of those challenges that you uh, were confronted with? Have you done any of that in regards with yourself? Uh, pretty much my whole life, you know, has been built on that. There's been many challenges, some very, massive challenges that at the time looked insurmountable like there's no way i can win over this but i also looked at you know if i don't do this what have i got absolutely Hmm. nothing and my life would be a void and i couldn't live with that i just could not live with my life being a void and that's what it looked like to me so i had to face the challenges regardless there, there's something that's key in this that I want to bring up, and I, I mentioned it briefly uh, much earlier in our conversation, that you can't do this alone. Uh, you have to have help. You know, If you know how to go to God and get help, that's great. You need to do that. If you don't know how, then you can be taught how to do that. But you have to have other people in your life that are going to help you, stand with you, pray with you, for you, believe in you. And there's always somebody, even if it's just your mom, you know, and if it's not your mom, then maybe your dad or maybe a good friend, you know, maybe maybe somebody has a good friend named Scott Brandt, you know, and, and they can look to him and say, hey, you know, can you help me with this? You know, whatever it is, too many people don't think that they have friends. People who think that they're unloved, that nobody loves them. The truth is, with all the studies that have been done, the average person has at least 11 people in their life that do love and care for them. They're just too hurt and blind to see it. Hmm. So we got to find a way to help open their eyes and get them to see the fact that there is somebody in their life that does care for them, does love them. You know, you're not going to find it out on the streets. You're not going to find it in a lot of places. You should be able to find it, you know, in church or, you know, with a lot of uh, friends or family. But sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to look outside those sources and find help elsewhere. And God will always make sure that you do find it, that you do have that help. Because we're not made to be individuals. We're not made to be independent. A lot of people use the word independent. Well, I'm an independent person. That's really not a good thing. Being interdependent is a good thing. And we can be dependent together and be, uh, it's not a crutch, that's a really bad word, but actually a support to one another, helping each other. So like if, if I'm falling or I'm not feeling good, it's kind of like having a sponsor in AA. You know, there's mm-hmm. some things AA does and there's some other things that, you know, I'm not too crazy about, but 
you need somebody, uh, whether they're a mentor, whether they're, um, you know, the same age or, or different. It doesn't matter if they're younger than you, you know, because wisdom comes out of the mouth of babes, the Bible will tell us. And but there's the older people, they've got experience. They've made a lot of mistakes, they, you know, like myself. I've made just about every mistake there is. I can tell you, hey, don't do that. It ain't going to work. Well, how do you know that? Because uh, I've been there. I've done that. I tried that. It doesn't work, you know. So don't don't go that path. Here's another path that'll work for you. You also, in in listening to mentors and understanding how people can help you, if you've ever read a book that said, hey, the six steps to success or the three steps, if you do these things like I did, then you'll be a success too. And that's not true. Uh, there are no formulas in the Bible. There's no hey, four steps to each step is uniquely crafted to you. And there's steps that you learn as you go through life and you'll pick up something from one person. You'll pick up something else from another person. Uh, you listen to five people, you get five different ideas, you put them together. And that's, you know, helps to, to design your path for mm -hmm. you to start walking through so you can find your freedom. And how do you find that? You know, well, we explore all those things, you know, when we sit down and talk, you know, at length, we find out what's going on in your heart, what your beliefs are. And, uh, you know, I've, I've met so many challenges. I'm going to flip back. If I sound like I'm rambling, I probably am because my mind is like rabbit hole, you know, squirrel, you know, so I do that a lot. Again. The word commitment. If you're not committed, you're going to find some issues that are going to come up. They're going to tell you that you need to, you want to, you should quit. Well, quitting is just going to delay it longer, you know, for you to get where it is you want to be. If you quit, then you just have to start over again somewhere. Why start over? If you've been sober for six weeks, well, that's six weeks that you've got under your belt now. Don't quit now. Do another six weeks, and now you can say 12. You know, that's mm -hmm. a big difference. Hey, in a few more weeks, you can say, hey, it's been a year. I read the testimony of a young lady uh, a few days ago, and she's been sober for 36 years, and she was so proud and so excited, and there was a lot of people were cheering her on. You got to have a cheerleader. You got to have somebody that will stand with you. Uh, a good coach is like that. A good coach is a good cheerleader. They, they're not there to beat you down. They're there to help pick you up and show you that, hey, you can take that next step. Uh, unfortunately, for a large part of my life and why things seem to have taken me so long is I had opportunities of having those kind of people in my life. And because of my own level of shame, I turned them down and I walked past them and kept trying to do it myself. Yeah. And I'm here to tell all of you, it doesn't work that way. You've got to have help. Yep. And I, I think that's a, that's a powerful thing when you look at it because we're both coaches, um, kind of in the same piece. Uh, mine is more of if uh, somebody's gone through the divorce or the relationship, whatever it is, is not working out, then let's work on the most important relationship, that being yourself. You've got the flip side when you're looking at working with the couples, but also people that are going through six, seven, eight different divorces really trying to get to that heart piece and say, okay, let's shake this up and whatnot. So, but I think it's interesting because uh, as coaches, I'm very open to sit down because we can learn something from everybody. We can learn something from each, each other, especially in the coaching realm. 
And I think it's a powerful thing because if you don't fit somebody, if you have a relationship with another coach that's in that same environment, that same realm, whatever it is, it works out very well because maybe you can't help this individual. Maybe you can't work with them because it's just not a good fit. But instead of letting that individual go and struggle, it's like, hey, here's somebody that I know, like, and trust. Go and talk to them. See if it's a good fit. I can't guarantee it because it's an individual thing. Um, but I think that's that's one of those things that if individuals are at a point where they're like, I'm stuck, find a coach, find somebody that is there. Right. And I would say somebody that legitimately is outside of your life because it's going to be hard because if you're bringing somebody that's been in your life and they're a coach, it can be tough because you're like, well, this person knows who I am. You start judging yourself for this person. So find somebody outside your life, find somebody that yep. is a heart centered coach, because that's another thing you've got to do that deep dive and really kind of, like you said, find that energy, find the vibes and you can pick it up. You just got to be open. But if you're not at that point, then you've got to do some deep dive work and really find out who's going to fit you as an individual. Um, But I I think it's unique because here, and then I know I've uh, introduced you to Garrett Goggins and I know you guys are looking at getting together. Garrett's another coach, a mindset coach. And so it's a beautiful thing just to have that interaction and whatnot. Um, But I do have uh, one thing I wanted to read and kind of get your, uh, get your opinion on this. And so this was actually something that John Kim. So it's funny because he used he's a therapist. He's got his license. He went through school and all that, but he calls himself the angry therapist, which When you think about that, you're like, why would I want to work with somebody that calls himself the angry therapist? But it's a unique way to approach in with this. But he actually talked, it was talking about collisions. And so he said, I believe we are meant to collide with people. Some collisions last a moment, some turn into marriages. And through these collisions, we learn about ourselves, others, the world, our path. We change, grow, evolve. But only if we are open and allow them to change us instead of trying to control them. Think about the people appearing in your life. Think about the collisions you've already had. Think about how your relationships are changing your response to that. What are you supposed to learn from your collision? If the universe is trying to tell you something by the people presented on your path, what would the message or messages be? I believe the ones who give us the most resistance carry the most important lessons. And uh, it's interesting on that one. And then he said, I believe this is a spiritual practice to see people as teachers. And so that's a important distinction to think about it is everybody being seen as a teacher. And so to know that you are a catalyst, to not judge the person or experience, to not want but allow them folding, to know that the collisions are the most powerful when we are the most authentic, to know that we're not meant to do life alone. I believe we have forgotten the value of human exchange because we're too busy wanting things from others instead of seeing them as unique experiences. And uh, I look at it because every day we're having a collision with somebody. What's your view? What's your outlook on that? And so with the interaction and I know you're looking at getting into the world of podcasting and kind of going this route, which uh, I love to have this because it gives you that experience and kind of learn as you grow and whatnot. So but when you look at it, when you talk, especially the idea of teachers, and when you, you think about that idea, what comes to mind when it comes to that collision piece, but also looking at everybody as a teacher? Well, I understand uh, what he's saying, you know, and, and why he calls it a collision, because a lot of times, you know, uh, you feel like that. You know, the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another. 
Well, when you see iron sharpening iron, the biggest thing you see out of that is sparks. Things are flying out there. You know, there's a lot of heat generated going on. But in the end, the blend comes together and the two pieces are actually stronger. The weld is stronger than the original metal. Okay. I, instead of calling them collisions, I would prefer to say encounters. You know, it sounds a little <laughs> less abrasive, but a lot of times we find that abrasiveness there. But how many people actually look at it as a positive thing? Because it actually is. Even if that encounter, we, we came away from it like, well, that was really bad. Well, a good question to ask yourself is, wait a minute, what can I learn from this? You know, how can I be a better person, even though that encounter may have felt and seemed really negative and harsh? Can I learn from that? And I should be able to learn from that. Every encounter that I have with another human being is an opportunity to learn. So in essence, we are all teachers of one another. Every time we talk to one another, no matter what we're sharing, I, I want to bring up a word that most people hate and it's called change. If you've ever had a little child, a baby, you watch them grow. Well, another word for grow is change. They change every day, minute by minute. They learn how to walk. Well, the first time they took a step and they fell down, you didn't tell them, okay, that's it. We're done with this. We're not going to try to walk anymore. You failed. Forget it. No, you help them stand back up and say, okay, take another shot. Daddy's here. I'll help you. And mm -hmm. in short time they're walking they're constantly changing and that's a problem in a lot of relationships because they don't see change as a good thing because you get into a relationship and you're married for a week guess what you've just experienced seven days of change you're married for seven years you've just experienced seven years of change well they're not the person i married well i would hope not they should have been mm -hmm. changing because if you stop changing then you actually regress and go down because there is no static. It doesn't work that way. You're either growing or you're receding. And nobody likes to recede. Nobody likes to go backwards. People want to move forward. Well, how do you do that? Embrace change. Look at one another. Have friends. You should always have friends outside of the relationship because you don't know enough stories to make it last for 60 years. So you got to find more stories and have more friends so you can share more stuff and still be interesting so they don't get bored with you. <laughs> oh, man, I got to laugh because there's so much right there. I think uh, specifically if somebody was to catch this, I would just say come to this specific piece right here. And that's the one nugget that you need to really go forward and lock with it and whatnot. And I think that idea right there alone could be a 20 30 minute topic of itself on a podcast i just have to laugh because like i tell people i'm like the only consistent in life is change and that's the only thing that's really consistent in our each of our lives but people are so hard pressed to try to fight it and i'm like you might as well embrace it it's going to happen whether you want yeah. to or not <laughs> Oh, man. So we are at a point where uh, when I have guests on and whatnot, I utilize this tool. It's called Poddex. And so it's very sometimes off the wall questions. And it does open up another route for somebody to see a different light of somebody just to see a different perspective or not. So we'll run through on a couple of these. Um, sure. Like I said, they're going to be some different things. And uh, you'll be like, I don't know. Some of these questions. Yeah. So what I've got, I'm going in, and uh, would you rather? So, would you rather have a snowball or a water balloon fight? 
I'd rather have a snowball fight. <laughs> I I can see that. Um, I think for me, really, the water balloon, but it depends on where we're going and whatnot. So snowball. Yeah, or winter. You didn't qualify. <laughs> so it's winter here right now. So I said. <laughs> It depends on what you like, season-wise. So, right. let's see here. Would you rather have an infestation of mice of uh, or flying cockroaches in your home? So, would you rather have an infestation of mice or flying cockroaches in your house? <laughs> if I had to choose, <laughs> I would say the mice. You know, I, I know easier ways to get rid of them and stop the infestation. And cockroaches just absolutely grossed me out. A mouse is at least a furry little kind of cute creature. There's nothing cute about a cockroach, so I don't want them. <laughs> yeah, like I said, Travis, who created this, you're like, what was Travis thinking? But when you really think about it, uh, man, I think a mouse really could cause more damage. So flying cockroach, that's going to be scary because if it's flying at you, you just never know. Um, but at least with, uh, I can go grab an electrical fly swatter and smack it out of there with uh, electricity. A mouse on the other hand can end up chewing away your, your walls and then they're inside there, but cockroaches are very tiny too. So <laughs> I, I'll go with the cockroaches. <laughs> and let's see here. We've got, uh, philosophy. So is it possible uh, time is being altered right now. Is it possible to alter time? No. Is it possible that time is being altered right now? Time is altered with every second of life that we're experiencing. I can. Yep. And that's the, that's the thing because like every choice you make, every action you take is going right. to alter some way or the other. So um, you just never know. And so did you turn right or did you turn left? <laughs> that, yeah, very, very true. Every time you take a step forward, your perspective on everything you're seeing just changed. Hmm. Even if it was an inch, the perspective that you just are looking at just changed every time. True, very true. Yeah, because that plays into reactionary stuff, mm -hmm. um, energy, the vibration, things that are attracted and whatnot. So, yeah, that, that, oh, man. Yeah, I could see that. If you could wipe one thing off the planet, who or what would it be? Greed. Okay. I would get rid of greed. The Bible says that the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. I would get rid of greed. I can see that um, playing into that. I think really because I'm real big in the journey that I've gone, I want to say the one thing to wipe out would be that negative loop that people get on, that negative story, that negative thought. Um, that would be it because I think we'd see a lot of change. Um, you'd have a lot of different perspective shifts and whatnot. Yep. But that would that'd be, yeah, if I could wipe anything off, that's what it would be is that negative thought loop and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, no, this is, this is one thing like I tell people if you're a content creator um, or if you're doing live streams and whatnot, this is just another avenue as a tool. Uh, it's called Poddex. And so it's just another avenue to open up a conversation and sure. see a different side of a person and whatnot. So, but as we're wrapping up here, Dennis, um, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you or sit down and have a conversation with you, 
what's the best route or what's the different options that people have in regards to getting in contact with you? Right now, the best way for them to contact me would be through email. And my email is theuncoach at gmail.com. Uh, currently, that's what I have. Uh, the Uncoach, T-H-E-U-N-C-O-A-C-H, theuncoach at gmail.com. And they can request conversations. Uh, we can meet live if they're here in the Springs. Uh, we can meet on Zoom, however, but that's the best way for them to reach me right now. Okay. All right. Um, and then as we're wrapping up here, anything that really stuck out for you, anything that um, maybe uh, came up and you're like, oh, I forgot to talk about this or hit on it. Um, was there anything that really you wanted to leave on for individuals to grab a hold of and run with? Well, if we were to talk about all the things that I didn't talk about, we'd be here for another week. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the number one thing that I would uh, like to pass on to everybody is that there is hope. Uh, there is a possibility of change, of uh, growth, of getting off of that marriage go round uh, and getting away from whatever addiction you're stuck in. There is hope. Hope is real. It's valuable. And you can't live without it. I've met uh, just a few people that have no hope. Those people usually wind up committing suicide, and I don't want anybody to do that. Mm. So hope is real, it's possible, and you can find it, and I can show you how. No, I think that that's uh, great there. And uh, one of the things that you've talked about twice, I think, or three times is the uh, marriage go around. So actually, that may be the title of this episode. So I've got a couple of things that I'll play with when it comes to the titling of this episode and get to put out there on the audio side and whatnot. But uh, no, I appreciate Dennis, you coming on, giving your time. Uh, allowing us to have the conversation and ultimately like I tell people if you need help you need to talk to somebody get out of your own way um, and don't look at it as a sign of weakness it's actually a sign of strength to ask for help and so you've got Dennis that you can reach out to sit down and talk Uh, you've got myself like I tell people I'm not everybody's cup of tea so I don't fit everybody which is cool but I think the nice thing about this is it does give exposure where people can be like okay I don't really resonate with Scott but I resonate more with Dennis all right well go talk to Dennis go reach out to Dennis go do what you need to exactly yep and so if there's anything that you guys need help with you do have through the the show notes my information's out there there's many multiple different ways Facebook Instagram (laughs) YouTube uh, a couple different email accounts and uh, those are different ways and whatnot but again want to give a shout out to the sponsors for what we're able to do they allow us myself to really uh, bring this to light. And that is Tabal's Food for Thought with Jasper Axelrad, Rock City Cafe, Ricky, Angel, and Brittany, and then the Chicken Coop with Miss Sherry. Uh, Just a shout out for them. But again, thank you everyone for your support. Thank you guys for your time. I will be here next week again, um, bringing some more value. I don't know if I'll have a guest, we'll find out. So if not, I'll be myself again, but Again, appreciate you guys' time. Thank you, Dennis, for coming on. And uh, we'll catch you guys. uh, Yep. We'll we'll catch everyone uh, later. All right. Have a great night. Peace.